Welcome to the Invisible India podcast. I'm Jessica Kumar. In 2006, I first came to India for work and basically never looked back. My journey took me through learning Hindi, living in multiple parts of India, and The Invisible India podcast isn't just a place where I share about being married to an Indian, being a foreigner in India, the language learning process, and cross-cultural parenting. But it is a platform to highlight the lesser-known aspects of Indian culture by featuring stereotype-breaking Indians making waves in society. So chaliye, headphone lagake suniye hamare saath. Sabko namaste, Jessica here. Welcome back for episode 84, How to Navigate the Medical System in India. I recently just went through a medical trauma with lots of drama details. You can see on my YouTube, I have a video version of this as well. It has been crazy. The last two months, I've been through a lot and I thought, let's make an episode while this is fresh. I'm going to tell you some horror stories and address some of the major concerns and advantages of navigating the medical system in India. Besides the negative experience, I also talk about positive ones too. For those of you who might just be listening to me for the first time, I'm Jessica Kumar. First started living in India 17 years ago. I have multiple online Hindi courses. Or I India ke baare mein video banati hu, podcast banati hu, Instagram wagera sab banati hu. I've been through lots of medical experiences in India, and I just have to tell you my experience of navigating the medical system for myself and advocating for other people as well. This episode may be helpful for you if you're visiting India or if even if you're an NRI or if you find yourself caring for relatives in India when you didn't grow up here. If you've ever experienced medical care in Western countries, you know one of the major concerns is hygiene, crowds, malpractice, negligence, patient autonomy, as well as legal issues. We're going to talk through all that. I've had medical procedures and emergencies in the US, Canada, Mexico, Thailand, and of course, India. The happenings in the hospitals, emergency rooms, surgeries, pharmacies, slash chemists. I do want to say that I am not a doctor or medically trained, and I don't mean to give medical advice. This is purely from my experiences as a patient and in a mother, a daughter-in-law, a wife, someone who's attended medical procedures for other people as well. I also want to give you a trigger warning. There is mention of medical trauma in this episode and some of it is graphic. Be prepared. Uh, Maybe don't listen to this while you're driving or operating heavy machinery. I do also have a surprise for you in the middle to and the end. I have a surprise for you at the end of the podcast, so be sure to listen all the way through. My recent experience was having to do with a scooter accident where I had slipped down the road and jerked my neck pretty significantly. I did physical therapy, I got better, and after one month, it got really bad. I either twisted it incorrectly and got a muscle muscle spasm, um, and then I was advised by a doctor to be on red bed rest, which actually made it worse. I took medications, which also made it worse, and I finally figured out what was wrong. Turns out that I needed rest, but the proper physical therapy techniques and positioning of my neck 
Um, I wasn't necessarily advised to do those things. And of course, I have limited activities. Um, You will also hear the drama of I'm also one of the issues was I wasn't able to get properly diagnosed because I'm absolutely terrified of getting MRIs and I just could not bear the idea of going through an MRI um, anywhere, but especially in India. And that really set me back quite a bit. Eventually I did go and get one and open MRI and that was very difficult, but I did end up finding one in my city, which was a huge blessing to be able to get the right information. But I did feel, I wouldn't say it was like negligence. I would just say this doctor was kind of guessing to um, see what was wrong. And actually his guess was completely incorrect and uh, really um, shouldn't have told me to go on bed rest because that actually made it worse. Uh, Plus the doctor ended up being out of town um, when I really needed him most and he had told me to come back during that time. And so I was basically getting ready to come back and I realized he wasn't even in the country for like several weeks. So that was pretty uh, disappointing. But that is the basic uh, recent experience. I have many other experiences which I'm drawing from, but that is what motivated me to make this episode. So But before that, I just want to remind you all, I do have my newest kids Hindi course out there. Be sure to download my free download on my site. I have three free downloads. One is the Ultimate Hindi Learner's Guide, and that gives you all of the best courses and resources for your Hindi learning journey, uh, numbers and names of tutors and programs, and some discount codes for the num- the best recommendations that I have um, in how to learn Hindi to based on your learning style. That is a free download on my site. These are all on my homepage, invisibleindiapodcast.com. The second one is the Kids Learning Guide. That has specific stuff just for kids. And the third one is the book and movie recommendation list for kids, adults, for anyone. If you want to learn through books, movies, um, I have recommendations for you as well. All three of those are on my site. So go ahead and check those out. So let's go ahead and jump in the top tips for navigating the Indian medical system. Number one, get a recommendation. Never, ever just go off of online reviews. Always ask somebody. The online reviews can be really good, could be really bad. When you get a recommendation, then you have someone to contact if you have an issue um, a lot of times if you go through a contact, the doctor might even give you their number directly and then you can make sure they're going to be there. You can ask them advice. Um, and it's, it's much better than kind of going through the, the huge crowds and whatnot. You can kind of figure out when the doctor's in, when's the best time, etc. Uh, for example, I just went for this MRI. The reviews of this place that I went were terrible, it was like two out of five stars. And so I was terrified to go. Um, what I ended up doing was I went that day. I had two or three recommendations from other people. What I ended up doing was I ended up going and looking at the facility first. And I just got a taxi, went down there and and checked it out. And it actually looked fine. 
The guy was so nice, and I don't know what was wrong with uh, people that were reviewing, but I, I think most people were saying it was too expensive, but it really wasn't. I just don't know why people were so mad. So don't go off of the online reviews. Sometimes <laughs> they're not so reliable. Go with other people's experiences, whom you know. Number two, bring someone with you. I I hate to say this, um, but you get better medical treatment when you bring someone with you or if you are attending with someone else. It shows that you are a person who is valued. This is really a cultural thing. Um, I have so many great friends who are wonderful doctors, but sometimes doctors get so overwhelmed. They're cranking patients in and out every few minutes. They're under so much stress and high demand. And if you have someone with you just to kind of double check and that just shows like, hey, this person has others with them that are kind of, you know, checking out things. Also, if you're a person who values consent, you need to bring someone with you. I had a friend, I have a friend who was living in North India and she went in for a routine vaginal exam and pap smear. Uh, apparently a lot of ladies freak out during this in India and they just put her under without her consent. She woke up and it was like, what happened? Like, how long was I out? Why did you do this? Uh, a lot of times they'll put women under for a, a, uh, internal check for cervical cancer. Who knew? Who freaking knew? This is, this is scary to me. Um, you really have to have someone there that can say, hey, what's happening? You know, if something like that happens, uh, you need to have someone with you. Also, you need someone to keep an eye on your stuff. They don't really have like changing rooms and things just to make sure that there's nothing fishy that happens to hold your stuff. Um, I had to go for an ultrasound of my breast in Bihar. The only sonographer there was a man. I was just kind of uncomfortable and I didn't know who was going to be in the room, how it was going to be. Um, I brought my friend with me because Abhishek was out of town, my husband, and I just, it was totally fine and very professional, but you know, it's just best you bring someone with you. My friend was there. They allowed her to be in the room with me just to, you know, make sure that nothing was weird was going on. Um, a lot of now since COVID, most places will allow one attendee with each patient. So you should be able to bring one person with you to most hospitals, clinics, etc. Another thing you really <laughs> need to think about is it can be very isolating in Indian hospitals. Um, you never know, like the doctors don't really communicate that much with you about what's happening. Most, they assume that most people have little to no medical knowledge. We have had more than one friend or relative die in isolation without really even knowing what was happening to them. If you can bring someone with you, if you can bring someone with you, bring someone with you. In some cases, especially since COVID, it's not always allowed to have someone, but you really need to have someone in to like ask questions to the doctor because the doctor sometimes just sees the patient as so fragile and they won't tell you what's actually going on. Number three, be prepared for the unexpected. Another horror story. A friend of ours was giving birth in North India and during the most intense part of the labor, 
She was um, at risk of her placenta rupturing. It was, there was, she was bleeding a lot and the electricity went out. I don't know why they didn't have a backup or what was happening. And the staff were yelling and screaming to stop the bleeding. Her baby was being delivered and, and they were like using their phones as light to see what was going on. Um, it was very traumatic for her. And it just was one of those situations where it's like, you have to be prepared for crazy stuff to happen. I don't know how you could prepared for that, but it could happen. Um, and I know I'm like playing into everyone's like worst fears here. Anyway, she ended up being fine, but it was one of those scary situations. Um, another minor thing is, you know, you, to be prepared for the unexpected, you need to make sure your doctor is actually going to be in town on the day of the appointment. Sometimes they'll, um, they, a lot of places don't take appointments. You just walk in and it's like, is the doctor actually going to be there? You always have to confirm the day of to make sure they're going to be there. Um, that's one of the nice things. If you get a recommendation, if they give you a number, you can check with that doctor. And sometimes you can kind of surpass the line of 20 patients in front of you. Um, like I was mentioning at the beginning, I made an appointment with my doctor on the web on the website for this hospital and they got a cancellation. Like what? He told me to come this day. Well, it turns out that he was out of town for two weeks, right? When he told me to come in. So I like, you just have to be sure that your doctor is going to be there, that things, unexpected things can happen and you just have to be ready for that. Number four, advocate for yourself. Another friend of ours went for an endoscopy. He's a big guy and a little larger than your typical normal Indian person. They sedated him for the procedure and it did not work. They should have given him more sedation, more drugs according to his size or whatever. I don't know exactly what happened, but instead of stopping the procedure, they tied him down and held him down while he was choking and gagging during the endoscopy. He was foaming at the mouth. He was conscious the whole time. Until this day, he still has nightmares about the situation. How could he have advocated for himself? Honestly, I don't know in that situation, but if, if it's like sometimes you might want to demand that someone comes in with you. Um, it, it may have been the situation where no one else would have been allowed in the room. Like maybe someone else could have been there to say like, is he fully sedate? Like, is he okay? Like, this doesn't seem like this is okay. It's just one of those situations. I don't know exactly what happened, but I, I will tell you this. <clears throat> in advocating for yourself, you have to be willing to push back. You, a lot of times, are going to get pressure from medical staff to get you to do things you don't want to do. They will pacify you or minimize what is about to happen. In, psych, in the psychology of Indian people, this works fine. Like, this does not work for Westerners. Like, just saying, oh, it's all going to be fine. Everything's okay. You know, what, what gives us comfort is information and details. Don't try to pacify me. Um, I'll give you an example. I, as I mentioned, I'm absolutely terrified, terrified of MRIs. It is literally my worst fear to be trapped in a small space. 
Um, I had to go for the MRI. It was really bad at one point. I'm extremely claustrophobic to the point that my nervous system freaks out and I start shaking violently, totally involuntary. I cannot talk myself out of it. My brain does not want to listen to logic. The doctors were trying to convince me just to suck it up, just, just, TK Hojaga, ma'am, nothing will happen. It's not scary. It's totally safe. It's only 20 minutes, which is not true. It was going to be more like an hour. They just told me what I wanted to hear. And finally, one doctor actually admitted to me that it is going to be more like an hour and you're going to have to wear a a restrictive helmet to keep your head in place during the MRI. And then one doctor's like, no, 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 you don't need to. Um, they, They were just trying to make sure that I got in there and didn't and just paid for it and forced me to do it. Thank God I advocated for myself and I ended up finding an open MRI machine nearby. I was able to go through that experience. He gave me all the information. He let me go look at the machine. He let me lay inside the machine first and check it out. He let me bring a shake in with me into the room, hold my hand. I was, I, it was just they 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 were really good when I asked questions and, and allowed me to advocate for myself. I'm going to jump over now to my friend, Melody Crisp. She's a physician's assistant, um, trained and certified in the U.S. She's lived in India. She's lived in Thailand. And she is practicing here in South Asia and Southeast Asia. She does consults for people. She's given me so much advice and she's going to jump on for a second and talk a little bit more about this point. Hi, I'm Melody and I'm a physician assistant from the U.S. I've lived in India and Thailand for seven years and I wanted to talk to you today about a few questions that you can ask your healthcare provider when you're in India. The first question I would ask is to have them explain your diagnosis. Sometimes when we find out what's going on, we're overwhelmed and we don't fully understand. And it's really helpful to have more understanding about what's going on. And so that's one question that I would always ask. Two, I would always ask of what you can do to improve your situation or to prevent that diagnosis from continuing on in the future. Many things are reversible and preventable and your doctor has great tips on how to do that. And three, I would ask about your medications. You can often come home with a big list of medicines to take and they're confusing and not always the same as what you take at home. And so I would make sure you understand each of the medicines that the doctor gives you and why you need to take them. And four, I would ask the doctor if they were in your shoes, what would they do? What would they recommend? Sometimes we as healthcare providers can get really um, busy and kind of just going along with our flow and forget to um, explain things in a way that we would like to, to be on the receiving end of. And so sometimes that question can help jolt us back into um, remembering that the patient is a person and that you live with what's going on. And so it can be helpful to ask if the doctor or healthcare provider were you and the patient what, what they would want to hear and what they would want to know. I hope you find these questions helpful. Thanks to Mel for sharing those thoughts. You can check out her Instagram and she does do consults. If you're a person who's like terrified of Indian medical system or needs just some more advice about health or or how to um, go about treating different illnesses or issues, um, especially if you live overseas, she's a fantastic person to speak with. Her Instagram is linked in the description. 
please go and check it out. I highly recommend her. Number five, asking questions. Most people in India will sit and just say, yes, doctor, yes, doctor, yes, doctor. They don't ask questions. There's doctor worship in, in India. Everyone wants their kid to be doctor, engineer, doctor, doctor, doctor. And it's like almost like doctor is God. You can't question them. But then people also don't listen to the doctor. They don't come for follow-up appointments. They don't take the medicine properly. And after one or two days of medicine, they'll quit because it didn't work right away. This is terrible. We, you need to be able to ask questions during the appointment and then ask questions after. If you have another question, if you're concerned about the medication, you need to ask questions. So back to the MRI. I had so many questions. I went to the MRI center. I, they let me see the machine. I needed to know, am I going to be tied down? Am I going to have to wear a helmet? Can I see the machinery? How long is it going to take? Is there? Do I get a break in between? These are all things that you can ask. And depending on the facility that you're going to, uh, there's different questions you can ask. So this is where the surprise comes in. I have created a free download called Things to Ask Your Doctor in India on my website, invisibleindiapodcast.com. I've included the link in the description. This is gold. You can use this PDF to print out during your next doctor visit in India or keep it on your phone in case of emergency if you're visiting or if you find yourself just blindsided by a situation. Use this download to help you get through an appointment and effectively advocate for yourself or whoever you're caring for. This brings me to point number six, medicine. A lot of doctors in India are going to write you or prescribe you a lot of medications. Most medical professionals know that antibiotics are being pretty heavily abused in India. A lot of people don't take them properly. They're prescribed for like everything. Um, so just be aware of that. Sometimes as a suggestion, I um, tell people to Google your med list before you actually go to the pharmacy and buy them. Just make sure you know exactly what you're taking. Sometimes the doctors will just write a little scratchy note it won't be written clearly. It's just take morning and evening. They don't say what that drug actually is. They just tell you what to take, how long to take it, and then they dump you off to the next place. India is one of the biggest exporters of pharmaceutical uh, products in the world, but there have been there have been studies on different drugs, and the quality, local quality, wasn't actually as good as export quality. So one of the things I recommend is you can actually ask your doctor for a high quality like export quality drug. For example, my doctor in Bihar used to be able to order me top quality vaccines for my kids. The ones that they gave the average population were like 100 rupees because most people didn't want to spend more than a couple hundred rupees on a vaccination. But she actually suggested a higher quality brand which had less side effects on the child. Now, it was 10 times the price, but I was willing to pay that. I have insurance. I could afford it. For me, health is the most valuable thing that you could possibly have, and that is what I wanted to do was, hey, I can actually pay for like a high-quality drug, and I'm willing to do that. So you can ask the doctor while you're there, hey, I'm willing to get the best drugs possible. One other thing, while you're looking at the medications, a lot of times the doctors will prescribe an anti-antacid with the medication so that you can digest it. It just depends from person to person. Like I never take those, but again, I'm not a doctor. It's just a lot of times there's extra medications in there that you're like, do I really need this? But Google it, 
check it, know about the side effects, and always, you know, get a second opinion if you have any questions. The last one I'm going to talk about, number seven, childbirth. I have a whole other episode on childbirth. It's, I think it's three or four, my third or fourth episode. And I had a great experience giving birth in India. My first child was born in the U.S., and my second child was born in India. I'm not going to go into all the detail, but there are some very scary things about giving birth in India. If you go to like a run-of-the-mill place, extremely high C-section rate. Um, a lot of times doctors will put you on bed rest for like the smallest things, and that makes things so much worse. You know, And there's all kinds of superstitions and all this stuff about pregnancy and childbirth. Like really shop around with your doctor before finding a OBGYN. There are a lot of routine things that they do and they don't necessarily tell you. There are extremely high C-section rates for like almost any small thing you're going to have to get a C-section um, if you go into these run-of-the-mill places and they do routine episiotomies. I've had friends come out of childbirth and be like, I had no idea they were, if you don't know what an episiotomy is, you're lucky. Um, but there, I've had friends that come out of childbirth and they're saying the worst part was when they just sliced my perineum and I didn't even know what was going on. Like, yep, they do that. You need to ask these questions to the doctor. You need to make sure someone's with you that can, again, advocate for you, ask the questions ahead of time, get the information ahead of time. I can talk. I talked in great length in the childbirth episode about the hospitals that I think are fantastic, um, where I had my baby and I had such a good experience. So again, you can check that link in the description of this episode. And maybe if enough of you request it, I'll actually redo that episode for YouTube. I think that a lot of people have asked me about that one and I could possibly redo that if I get enough requests. So shoot me an email or write to me on social media if you want to see that video. So that's it for now. I Again, I highly recommend Melody Crisp's page talking with her if you have additional questions. And remember to download the free download of questions you need to ask your doctor in India and how to navigate the medical system here. Once again, thanks for listening. Chalo, dhanyavad. Sunni ke liye, baut, baut dhanyavad. I hope you're all well. Stay safe.